This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, welcome back to the show as we continue with our emergency situation coverage here in British Columbia. We got multiple highways closed in the region, Highway 1, Highway 7, Highway 3. We've got landslides, rising water, culverts overflowing in some of these highways. Uh, in the city of Merritt, uh, there is an evacuation. 2,000 people have been evacuated there. There is a water advisory there. Do not run your water or flush your toilets in Merritt. The whole city might have to be evacuated. We've got dozens of people trapped in vehicles. I got um, uh, I got Troy Clifford standing by from the paramedics, but let me quickly uh, go to the phone lines here and speak to Mary and Burnaby. Hi, Mary. Hey, how are you doing, Mike? Thanks for having me on the show. I just wanted to call in and let you know that my partner traveled yesterday from the coast, Burnaby specifically, to back to uh, the Okanagan, to Vernon. As a first responder, he stopped numerous times. The trip took him nine and a half hours to get back. He helped in lots of different accidents as a first responder, also part of multiple specialty teams. All of the people are speaking directly that people are not considering the fact that the ground has changed based on the fact that there has been forest fires. The ground consistency, it is different now. It is more susceptible to the slide. And therefore, when you combine a whole bunch of rain and very, very soft dirt, it causes a landslide. Due to the fact that we had forest fires previously, it has totally changed the dynamic. So I think the fact that your previous caller has stated that, well, their micro farmware should have done more. Well, actually, the fact that he put out a statement saying that there might be using different um, ways of transporting people, such as air, well, there's not many people that are trained for high-angle rope rescue, and there's not many helicopters that are actually able okay. to perform that procedure. Thank, thank you, Mary. Especially, thank you for that call, and especially with the high winds that we're expecting later. I really feel for the people who are trapped in their vehicles. Let's check in with Troy Clifford now, Provincial President of the Ambulance Paramedics of BC. Troy, thanks for jumping on here. Thanks, Mike, for having me on. A oh. horrible situation. Troy, what is, what is the latest you're hearing from your people? Yeah, so I heard from most uh, a lot of paramedics and dispatchers overnight, uh, just uh, and obviously following what's going on from an emergency preparedness perspective, just reaching out to support paramedics and dispatchers, make sure our critical incident stress team is managing and, and supporting everybody as necessary. I know that uh, we have over 10, uh, I believe 10 members of the HUSAR team that you know is deployed out there um, with BC paramedics on it. You've seen that uh, our paramedic specialists, uh, some supervisors and uh, resources were moved around in the Fraser Valley. We've had a number of paramedics stepping up to, uh, which they always do in times of a crisis like this, an emergency, um, adding additional resources. We've, we're obviously affected by isolation because, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're in those trapped communities. So um, resourcing and staffing is always a challenge, but everybody's stepping up and doing their best. I know that... Uh, um, Trying to right now, you know, when we move into emergency management mode, 
which is a key function of our role as paramedics in the public safety. Uh, we're part of an integrated team under BC Emergency Response and Public Safety, and our paramedics step up and provide the medical and treatment and transport. Uh, you know, our biggest concerns are these people that need to be rescued, um, yeah. any medical conditions, and as we uh, start seeing longer periods where they're stranded like this or that uh, where their houses have been affected and we don't know who's injured or trapped or anything like that, and, um, I think that uh, making sure that we look after the wellness of the paramedics and the dispatchers, but uh, they need to look after their families. So this is a, their such a difficult situation when you have people trapped in their vehicle. You can't get an ambulance out there to help them. And now the province looking at medevacking and possibly people taking people out by air, which could be a challenge as as well. Uh, what about the response time? Speaking to Troy Clifford from the paramedics, during the heat wave and the deadly heat wave that we saw, we heard a lot of stories about slow response times for people trying to get an ambulance. What have the response times been like in the last 24 hours? Well, with increased volumes and isolation, I put an added incredible pressure on them, um, you know, trying to make sure that we're worried about, not unlike the heat, uh, injuries and, and challenges we've seen when you see any uh, adverse weather conditions we're worried about uh, the longer people are isolated or that the more that uh, yeah. they can be injured and you know we we also have responsibilities with the isolated and and shut-ins that we experience during the heat tone so you know you can insert any emergency manage uh, disaster into uh, how you prepare and plan um, so the response times are challenged there's no question thanks for coming on Thank you, uh, and be safe, everybody out there, and just make sure you look after yourselves and your families uh, and do our best. Thank you, Troy Clifford there from the paramedics as we continue to cover the weather emergency in B.C. Let's go to Chilliwack now, where schools and daycares are closed. We've got flooding. we got landslides. Let's check in with the mayor now, Ken Pop- Popov, and I'm very pleased to welcome him. Mayor Popov, thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me on here, Mike. Okay. Can you give us an update on the situation in Chilliwack right now? Well, it's a mess. Let's just let's just start with that. With all you actually described it very well with the landslides. Uh, I applaud the school district for for closing the schools down. You know, like I can't imagine the you know kids trying to navigate their way to school. But um, yeah, our staff was on it all last night, and and uh, um, I, I actually took a drive out to Greendale area, and there's a lot of water, uh, and there's a lot more coming too. And I just encourage people that, that if you need to go out do it safely but if you can stay home please stay home i had some reports of some looky loos that were you know down by the river just to watch it you know you're yeah. getting away of, of our you know flag people our emergency response people let's just do the right thing it'll it'll be a, you know like another day we should be out of this mess uh it's probably going to get worse before it gets better with the onslaught of the wind that they're predicting so you know with the roots of the trees being nice and soft so uh, you know i think it's going to be a a crazy afternoon if that does happen what what is the situation with uh, current road blockages and closures right now in the area well up chilwak river valley there, there's been multiple slides up there that there are people that are uh, essentially trapped up there there's a slide that came down at the roundabout that's near the intersection that goes up to chilwak river valley with a 
Jeep caught in it with a, you know, like a telephone pole sitting on its roof. And, um, yeah, that's the hardest hit area for sure, you know, because that's where the water is, is it, it, you know, is accumulating and, and it's just, you know, softening up all the mountains and whatnot. So listening to the previous speaker about the forest fires and that sort of thing, uh, we, we haven't had those here, but certainly the land is so soft and so soppy that uh, I predict we'll, we'll have more issues in the next few hours. Uh, Mayor Popov, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Stay safe, everybody. That is Chilliwack Mayor Ken Popov there. These schools are closed in Chilliwack. They've got multiple road closures there and landslides in the region. i got the phone lines open here. Phone me and tell me what you are seeing and experiencing out there. 604-280-9898 is the number to call me. Star 9898 on your cell. Let's go to Philip calling in from Abbotsford. Hi, Philip. Yeah, I came through Abbotsford about half an hour ago. And uh, just as you exit the the Fraser Highway to, to go off the number one Fraser Highway West, there's a low area there, and I thought, gee, that looks like a fridge floating, and it was the trunk of a car sticking out of the water. Wow. Um, I just feel that, that everybody's driving too fast. Then I went, then I drove from there to um, Port Langley, and just before you go on the 96 there to the um, railway lines heading towards uh, Port Kells up the hills there, there's a huge area where it's water and the barricade is blown down so i just ask everybody can you please just slow down um the trucks are driving too fast everybody's driving too fast and and i believe that we need to build a civil defense force we need to create another branch that is not military that is purely designed for emergency situations for firefighters etc etc i think that's something we need to look at and I think it would be a great way. And all right, let's talk about one of the other stories that's in the headlines today, and that's the continuing campaign in British Columbia for paid sick days. Now, the BC government has already said this is coming to British to BC. Paid sick days are on the way. How many paid sick days should you receive per year? So, did you get two sick days a year, five sick days? How about ten paid sick days per year? That's what many unions and labor organizations are pushing for in British Columbia. Employers and companies resisting it. They say it'd be too expensive. Let's talk about that now with my guest, Jim Stanford, economist with the Center for Future Work. I'm very pleased to welcome him back. Hey, Jim. Good morning, Mike. Jim, thank you for your patience today with all the, all the breaking pleasure. news. I'm- Going I'm on. safe and dry. I'm not going to complain about a thing. Okay, that's, that's good to hear, Jim. Jim, let me t- ask you about the, the study uh, that you have just released on the cost of this to employers, because we've talked about this extensively on the show. Paid sick yeah. days, if you were going to ask companies or employers to pay 10 paid sick days a year, uh, they're not happy about it and they're campaigning against it. But how much could this cost employers? Do you think the cost is being exaggerated? Uh, I do, Mike. Yeah, when you it, it sounds like the employer now just has to go around and hand out a a free check for two weeks' pay to every single worker on their payroll, and so then they think, yeah, that is very expensive. But that's not actually how it would work. Uh, so we went through in this report and uh, actually went step by step. How many people qualify? How many days do they qualify for? Not everybody gets ten. You have to have worked for a place for a while before you grow grow into that. 
Secondly, who's already got the benefit? About half of uh, workers are already covered by a paid sick leave plan, some of them less than 10 days, some of them more than 10 days. Uh, So we have to take that into account. Then how many days do people claim? This is a really important one. The kind of the lobbyists say, well, if you got a sick day, you're going to make it up, even if you're not sick. The evidence is clear that that doesn't happen now for workers who already have sick pay. Work it all down. At the end of the day, we estimated a 0.2% increase in total business costs, hardly enough to measure, and certainly insignificant compared to the benefits of preventing something like well, the pandemic. Well, well, let me ask you about those those potential benefits, because mm-hmm. I've, I've talked to employers on the show, and, and you've debated them on the show here, too, mm-hmm. about the potential cost for paid 10 paid sick days per year and they say look this is just too much it's going to be expensive it's going to be abused on the other side if you have workers who are sick and maybe they decide to go to work because if they don't they don't get paid and they maybe spread covid around the office or around a workplace is that a potential bigger cost for employers oh certainly it is i mean covid is obviously an extreme case of a a disease that's uh you know, causes pandemics and, and, and death. But even just the flu, uh, Mike, the studies uh, on the impact of showing up at work, working while you're sick, giving the flu to your colleagues, potentially your customers, if you work in a service industry, right, and you're face-to-face with the customers, uh, that can really add up. And uh, there's empirical research that's shown that uh, workplaces that have paid sick leave benefits actually have less paid, have less sick leave taken, less absences due to illness, uh, precisely because people do stay home and then they don't spread it. So, yes, you are going to pay the person's wages while they're off, but it does mean that your colleagues and the customers are going to be healthier as a result, and that's good for Okay, business. Okay, I have a feeling, Jim, that when employers in British Columbia hear about the results of your study, uh, they're not going to be convinced because I've talked to a lot of them who, who say that 10 paid sick days a year for a lot of companies that are just emerging from a difficult economy during COVID, that this is just not going to be sustainable and maybe could even put some companies out of business. And, you know, and we always hear the stories about people who will abuse a sick day, you know, like the studies that say the day after Super Bowl Sunday, suddenly a lot of people are... <coughs> a little sick on mon- come Monday morning and don't go to work. Do you think that's just a they myth? might actually be sick that morning, but that's well, another story. Well, okay, but do you think that's a myth that people will abuse these sick days? Like if you tell people you get 10 paid sick days a year, they'll just take them. Yeah, that's the assumption. Well, guess what? Half of the Canadian workforce already has paid sick days, including in B.C. The average number of sick days taken per year per worker in Canada is 37 So we already have evidence that people don't claim every single day that they are entitled to. And if the program is run well and you've got a good rapport in your workplace, then that that record is going to continue. There's no reason to think that that, uh, suddenly people are going to start abusing it. Most uh, About half of workers already have this benefit, and the claim about abuse uh, isn't there. There are rules that you have to go through, um, but uh, the reality is uh, a good workplace depends on good relationships and employers who treat their workers like human beings rather than a productive input, uh, I think uh, uh, can can 
uh, put in place a more trustworthy type of relationship there. Okay, speaking of Jim Stanford, economist, Center for Future Work, big decision now on this issue looming by the B.C. government. They've already indicated that paid sick days are coming to the province. It's just a question of how many paid sick days. So you've got the labor movement in B.C. campaigning for the 10 paid sick days a year. Your study focuses on that. So what is your message to the government now? 10 paid sick days, that's what they should do? Oh, I think so. Uh, it's the international standard. Most other industrial countries have at least uh, 10 days uh, paid sick leave. Uh, some have many more. Uh, the federal government is now moving to 10 days. Uh, there's public health reasons. You know, every time Bonnie Henry stood up and said you have to isolate, she didn't say isolate for three days and then come back to work. She said isolate for 10 days. So economically and for health reasons, it's, it, it's a no-brainer. And there's no point even really thinking about something that's less than that because it won't do the trick the next time we have to take care of each other's health. Okay, we'll see where it goes from here. Jim, thanks for coming on today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thank you very much. All right, welcome back to the show. As you heard on your news there, that mass evacuation is underway at this hour in the city of Merritt. The floodwaters are rising, roads are washed out, and most critically of all, the city's water treatment plant has been overwhelmed by the flood. Now the entire city of Merritt has been ordered to evacuate Thousands of people are packing up and on the move right now, heading to Kelowna, Kamloops, and elsewhere. Meanwhile, the rescue efforts also underway for people trapped in their vehicles by floodwaters and landslides. An estimated 80 to 100 vehicles trapped on Highway 7 near Agassiz alone. Make sure you keep it locked here to CKNW all day long for continuing coverage of this emergency and all the updates that you will need to know. we got more coverage coming up on the show this morning. And then all through the afternoon, uh, there will be more coverage of the situation. So make sure you keep it locked right here. All right, let's talk about another story, though, that is in the news headlines over the past week. And that was the, the extraordinary comments here from the Premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe, who wants nationhood for the province of Saskatchewan. That's right. Saskatchewan should be a nation within Canada. Now, this story broke on the Roy Green Show right here on CKNW and the Chorus Radio Network. Have a listen to Scott, the Saskatchewan Premier here, Scott Moe, talking about his drive for autonomy for Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is going to uh, make every attempt and every effort to start to flex our our autonomy, to flex our our provincial uh, muscles, if you will, within the nation of Canada. Okay, Scott Moe, the Saskatchewan Premier, uh, he says that Saskatchewan would like to have control over policing, taxation, immigration, firearms, and even international relations. Lots of talk about this now all across Canada. 
with Saskatchewan saying they should be recognized as a nation within Canada. Let's discuss now. What a great panel we've assembled for you on this. Jay Hill on the line, former Conservative MP, now leader of the Maverick Party. Jay, it's nice to have you on again. Good to be with you. Thanks a lot for doing this. Also on the line is Dale Smith. Dale is a freelance journalist. He works in the uh, Parliamentary Press Gallery in Ottawa. He's the author of the book, The Unbroken Machine. Dale, thanks for doing this. Happy to be here. Okay, guys, thank you, both of you. Jay, let me go to you first. I mean, this must be music to your ears here, listening to Scott Moe. I mean, the, the Maverick Party has a sovereignty option for the West, the West uh, Western provinces. What did you think about what Scott Moe had to say? Well, uh, Maverick and myself are very supportive of, of the uh, new line that uh, Scott has taken. I wrote a letter to both Premier Moe and Premier Kenny of Alberta back in May, I think it was May 25th, uh, an open letter calling upon both of them to do exactly this uh, in retaliation to the federal parties falling all over themselves to react positively to Quebec's demand for exactly this, to be recognized in the Constitution of Canada as a nation within a nation. And I said, well, if that's all it takes, well, then why doesn't the uh, the Western provinces follow that lead, follow Quebec, and, and do the same thing? Okay, Dale Smith, what do you think? Um, I think it's a bit specious to compare what Quebec was trying to do, which, let's be frank, is problematic, but trying to then assert that for Western provinces is simply form without substance. Why do you, why do you say that? Like, if Quebec can be have some sort of dis distinctiveness in Canada, can't the West have it too? Well, Quebec has a distinct language and uh, legal system and culture to a certain extent, which I would hesitate to say the West has in any equal manner. Jay Hill, what do you think of that? Well, I think that uh, the West certainly does have its own distinct culture. I think that's very evident in a number of areas uh, where uh, we've seen over the past number of decades that Central and Eastern Canada has moved to punish Western Canada uh, and really work against a lot of what we've established over, well, ever since Confederation, I suppose. And in the area that uh, I think this is primarily to make a statement that the Western provinces should be moving, and the Premier said this, in the area of provincial autonomy, whether it's in taxation, pension, uh, health and child care, immigration, policing, environment, there's a whole raft of issues where uh, increasingly the federal government, especially under our current prime minister, has been usurping provincial jurisdiction. Now, they don't do that with Quebec because I think it was all the way back to the 1960s that Quebec was able to get special uh, arrangements with the federal government over a number of decades uh, in all of these areas. And okay. uh, so what Premier Mo is saying is that Saskatchewan wants the same autonomy on those uh, issues and on those areas of responsibility. Okay. okay, speaking to Jay Hill, a former Conservative MP, leader of the Maverick Party, and Dale Smith, 
about a nationhood for Saskatchewan. That's the stated goal for Scott Moe. He wants Saskatchewan to be a nation within Canada. Dale, is this even possible? Like are the uh, the constitutional amendments that I, I guess Saskatchewan is talking about, is this within the realm of possibility or is this just kind of like a dream or a talking point or just for domestic political consumption within Saskatchewan or do you think this is something that should be taken seriously? Well, um, it, declaring yourself a nation within the Constitution is pretty much a meaningless act. Um, it's largely symbolic, and that's why Legault's, Quebec uh, Premier Francois Legault's tactic is largely rhetorical. Um, it's not going to give him any additional powers or any additional um, leverage over anything. It's, it's simply a, a rhetorical device, so I'm not sure what would necessarily be accomplished if the Western premiers fell all over themselves to copy the tactic. Okay, Jay Hill, why do you think that the West needs more autonomy? Like when Saskatchewan says that they want to be a nation within Canada and they want more power over policing, taxation, immigration, firearms, why? Why should that be the case, in your opinion? Well, I think that we've had a very recent example of why it should be necessary, and that is... Uh, as recently as the uh, climate uh, summit in Glasgow, Scotland, the Prime Minister stood up and said that he intends to uh, impose greater emissions controls on the oil and gas industry. There wasn't even a, a, uh, any types of negotiation with the Western premiers about this. Uh, as we all know, natural resource exploration extraction um, is the responsibility and under the jurisdiction of provinces. Uh, so di directly against the constitution of the country just makes a unilateral de declaration. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the West, I think, quite rightly, is getting very tired of this. So it's time to make a statement, and I think that's what Premier Mo is doing and okay. as for Dale's, um, you know, conclusion that this is just, um, you know, a sort of a ceremonial type declaration, we don't know that because we don't know how the courts will interpret it. Uh, we recently had last, last uh, spring a majority decision by the Supreme Court of Canada that it's within the rights of the federal government to impose a carbon tax uh, on all Canadian citizens, regardless of how the provinces and different provinces, okay. citizens react. Okay, and let me get. Let these me. Are the let me types do, of actions by the yeah. federal government that is resulting in the western provinces demanding equality with what Quebec has carved out for let themselves. Let me get. Let me get Dale's response to that, Jay, and then we'll take a break and take some phone calls too. Dale, what do you say to that? Um, well, two things. Environment is a shared responsibility, and the Supreme Court affirmed that. So the federal government has not unilaterally impose anything and second of all the oil companies themselves have said they're going to reach net 50 by or sorry net zero by 2050 so this is just the federal government holding them to that promise um there's nothing unilateral about this all right welcome back to the show as we continue talking about provincial sovereignty saskatchewan says they want to be a nation within canada jay hill and dale smith are my guests let's go to your calls here glenn and maple ridge hi glenn what do you think well, I, I, kudos for Mo for giving it a try. I don't think he has a snowball's chance in you-know-what. But, but you know what? Standing up for the provincial rights that uh, Mr. Trudeau, and this is a direct result of uh, Trudeau, the great divider in our country, and uh, 
quite frankly, I mean, Quebec uh, has been spoilt for rotten, and uh, Mr. Trudeau was all in for that. And uh, it, the West has been ignored and has been abused, and uh, it's been taxed, and uh, it's about time. I wish British Columbia would stand up and, uh, and make a stand as okay. well, because we're fed up out here. Okay, Dale Smith, what do you say to that? Dale, you're an Alberta boy, right? I mean, you know, I know you're based in Ottawa now, but you're originally from Alberta, right? Dale. What do I say? Um, yeah. I, I, I'm having a hard time understanding how Alberta is more taxed than anyone else. I mean, we pay, all pay the same federal income tax across the country. Quebec, uh, Alberta, Quebec, Ontario, it's all the same. Okay, Jay, what do you say to that? Like, what, what is the case that the West is being treated unfairly? Well, first of all, that statement is simply untrue. There's, uh, you know, if we go back to the 1960s when uh, it started, equalization has funneled about $600 billion out of Alberta, primarily to Quebec. Uh, you know, so uh, if uh, Dale doesn't understand equalization, uh, then he should make himself more informed, I would suggest. Um, you know, what Premier Mo and to some extent Premier Kenny are trying to do is trying to suggest that, for example, the, the sweetheart deal that Quebec has with the federal government where they can opt out of any new federal joint cost shared program with full compensation. In other words, the federal government comes up with a program for all uh, 10 provinces and Quebec says, well, we don't like that. We're going to design our own, but we want mm. your money. And with uh, some provinces, especially prov uh, Saskatchewan now, is saying, well, what's wrong with us? Why can't we get the same deal uh, under our Constitution as Quebec yeah. does? That's Dale. All. Dale Smith. Um, I think that's oversimplifying things. In certain cases, like the recent child care agreements, Quebec already had a program in place. And it met the criteria that the federal government set, which was why they didn't have the same conditions put on them as other provinces. Um, designing a program for themselves and essentially absorbing the, the higher bureaucratic costs of, of running a provincial program is Quebec's prerogative to do that, as long as the program itself matches the uh, federal outcomes. Okay, let's go back to the phone lines. Daryl on the line in Coquitlam. Hi. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Mike. I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm a native of Saskatchewan. Premier Mo follows uh, Jason Kenney of Alberta. And when it comes to what's happening in the West, I find it very rich for your guest, uh, Mr. Hill, who sat in the cabinet or was a frontbencher for Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper treated British Columbia horribly. He closed the Kits Coast Guard station. Oh. The province had to sue him in court for insight. So I don't understand where Premier Mo is coming from. A landlocked province, good luck. Okay, Jay Hill, what do you say to that? Well, as I've been suggesting that, you know, if you look at what Quebec has got from Confederation and, and what the uh, Western provinces have got, uh, there's a, a vast disparity. And the simple fact of the matter is it's not only where programs where uh, Quebec has a program in place, uh, they can choose at any time to opt out of federal provincial cost-shared programs. And, uh, you know, this this idea that uh, that it only allows them if they have a program in place, uh, just take a look at the uh, carbon tax proposal that Saskatchewan, this is one of the reasons why Premier Moe and the people of Saskatchewan are fed up, is they came up with a program that was virtually identical uh, to uh, Prince Edward Island for taxing carbon, 
And Mr. Trudeau and the federal government said, no, it's not good enough, even though they'd accepted basically the same design for a program. So there's a world okay. of difference between what Trudeau uh, declares is proper and the right program for uh, the East and what they do for the West. Let's squeeze in, squeeze in one more call here. Hardy in New West. Go ahead, Hardy. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I grew up in the 80s, the aftermath of uh, Trudeau, the senior, who actually I grew to enjoy. And we all hated taking French class, and we didn't understand history. And I think your guests don't understand politics. The historical context of Canada is that there was two distinct founding nations, and Quebec has about a quarter of a country's population. In a democracy, that creates a lot of force and power, and Saskatchewan and all the provinces of the West have a really small population. And this complaint has been going on my entire life. And the bottom line is the tail should not be wagging the dog. And, and Premier Mo is just grandstanding. I know it's a popular thing, especially with yeah. conservatives, to complain about Trudeau. But it, it, it's whining at its finest. Okay, thanks, a lot, thanks a lot Thank for the you. call. Dale, I'll give you the last word here. you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I... I, I I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, Quebec, because it has a quarter of the population, and there are also seats that are much more volatile electorally, unlike Saskatchewan okay. and Alberta, uh, that gives them a lot more clout uh, politically.